the Gundog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. I also want to bring to you Yukonuba Sporting Dog, the premium performance 3020 blend. For the last 50 years, Yukonuba has created premium nutrition that unlocks the power and potential within. From the unstoppable performance of the sporting dogs to the life-saving abilities of working dogs to the incredible companionship of service animals and family pets. Check out Yukonuba Sporting Dog today and go pick up a bag of the 3020 premium performance blend and guys last but not least i want to thank my affiliates lion country supply and garmin fish and hunt go check them out today for the spring training season all right guys welcome back and right now i guess i'll say good good afternoon uh whatever but it's the day before easter welcome back to another fun episode of the gundog notebook live um you know i do this every so often just to kind of kick back and chill out and and, and hang out and either talk to y'all directly or, or talk to some buddies of mine and, and have a few laughs but regardless i hope you guys are all well during this whole you know covid19 quarantine epidemic and everything like that um you know I'm hoping you guys are catching up on some things and using the time wisely for spring and and summer training coming up. But today on the podcast, we have my good friend, Lauren Gwynn from Palmetto Moon Pointers and Joe Clody from PSR Kennels. Probably heard me talk to them on social media or or even on here quite a bit. And they've always got good insights and I like goofing off with these guys. So stay tuned for another episode of the Gundog Notebook Podcast Live. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and a happy Easter. Okay. All right. So that that gives me another question on the force fetching. But um, Plody, what you got going on, buddy? Like, how are you managing this whole uh, this whole situation we got going on for the springtime? It's business as usual for me, man. I it's you know I don't have a normal job, so you know I'm still training dogs. Getting birds is a little more difficult because. Some of the suppliers are out or just aren't doing business right now. Um, Yo, did you did you ever hit up did did you ever hit up Z Game Birds? I did. I'm, I I just haven't uh, ordered any yet. Mm-hmm. So I still had a few from the last time I picked some up. Okay. Um. So as soon as those are gone, I'm gonna order a batch from them and see how they go. Okay. 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 Well, I am, I think I ordered a box of 25 and 
I, I might be down about 10 now. <laughs> I'm down about 10. Um, you know, so we going to work. They fly really well, though. I will say they definitely, definitely, definitely fly really well. Um, a lot of folks, man, have had their hunts canceled. Um, not hunts, but I guess guided hunts and field trials canceled. Um, so uh, was that like a big... I guess uh, economically, like what, how, how do you think that's going to affect going into next season? Because like, are you rescheduling hunts? Like, what do you do when, when that's your job? Plody. As far as hunts, our, the club I guide at, we finished up the season. With okay. No problem. Okay. Um, they actually ran out of birds. Oh. And didn't have So, um, I do know some of the local Gundog clubs like NAVDA chapters and stuff they bought their chuckers ahead of time and now all their tests are canceled. So groups like that, I'm not sure how they're going to handle it. Hopefully I can pick up some cheap birds for some, from some people because they don't got nothing to do with them, you know, but yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I know as far as my club, we finished out just fine. No problem. No problem. Okay. So y'all were smart enough to finish up before all the foolishness hit. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, now, Lauren, you got the privilege of hanging out with Mo Lindley. So what is a day in the life of being a teacher? Because you a teacher like me. And of course, we're out of work. So what is a day in the life with two Vizlas, unfortunately? Plota, she got Vizlas, man. <laughs> Oh, really? You're going to go with the unfortunately. He, he picks on every breed that ain't a pointer, so maybe we should team up on him. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, my 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 only issue, and this is, is probably a little bit of jealousy, Lauren, before we go there. Um, before we even go there, you hang out with top-notch pointers. You got a whole gang of puppies there. <laughs> It's almost like it's almost like you go out to a bar and say, "I want to drink some water." Like that doesn't <laughs> that don't make sense, man. <laughs> I mean, I have access to them anytime I want, so uh, I'll happily I'll happily keep my vegetables in the house and uh, use them for foot hunters because around here and woodcock and even our quail really just in such tight cover, I. I really don't want a 800 yard dog. Do and we do we have 800 yard dogs down here though? We were just talking about have that. Have you seen most dogs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, do we? I mean, but yes, I mean, and I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, when I was out in New Mexico, uh, a, a few of my friends' dogs that we were running with were—I mean, they were out over half mile. Like, and they said, and even in open cover, you know, not in the desert, they had no problem opening up to a mile. Like, okay, okay, I mean, I guess, you know, that's open cover in the desert. But down here, we got piney woods. I would think, I would think, though, that our dogs would just know better. Like, 
and and this is my whole little LU bias, and this imploded. You know, I I don't know how far into that DVD you got yet, but I've already started getting into it. But like the whole thing about that is the dogs should air quotes, okay? The dogs should know how to adjust in that range. So whether you got a dog that is on the open prairie, okay, cool, he should get out, you know relatively far but then again i would have thought that most of these dogs are at least smart enough to know how to reel it in some i don't i don't feel like it's a matter of smarts though i feel like it's a matter of um you know i i run my dog a lot with um ed jessen and he has a puppy from mo and i mean he's a a field trial bred like i mean he's He's going to be an all age dog. Like he takes, he takes an edge and he goes. Mm -hmm. So again, like even though we have such tight cover and, you know, in the Woodcock woods, like it takes me 20 minutes to get, you know, 500 yards. Um, I, I just don't feel like it's like a matter of being smart or not. I think it's, he's bred to, take an edge and run and so what you're saying lauren is that most pointers don't have any brains like our britneys <laughs> yes that's i mean that's exactly what i was getting at is <laughs> a middle finger for two of y'all <laughs> so okay all right so we're talking about breeding and stuff like that and hold that thought because lauren i i did cut you off so <laughs> Okay. My bad. What is because I do want to hang on to that too. What is a day in the life hanging out with Mo Lindley? And did y'all get y'all's farmer tans? The farmer tans are coming tomorrow. Okay, gonna, that's gonna happen tomorrow. Okay, um, a day in the life hanging out with Mo. Uh, goodness, <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> um, there's a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of sipping coffee. It's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as bird work, Mo, Mo loves getting the puppies out. That's mm-hmm. no matter what, uh, he he goes for the puppies first. Um, I mean, and who else? Who wouldn't? But uh, I mean, he works harder than anybody I know. I mean. Just the, he knows more than I will ever forget. I mean, he is. He's Mo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, somebody brings a dog in and, you know, presents with a problem and and Mo's like, he knows exactly what to do. Um, He's not, he's obviously willing to try many different things, but, um. He always has ideas readily, readily available. So it, it's just really cool to, to watch somebody that has that much knowledge and experience to, um, you know, hands on, get to watch him do it. It's pretty sweet. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So Plody and Lauren, for you both. Going back to what we were saying, um, we're just talking about 
Is it something that you can overcome? You just had me thought, can you overcome a dog's breeding? So you're saying a dog is bred to take an edge and basically hightail it and that's and, and, and get on out there 800 yards, whatever the case may be. As a trainer or or just with your experience, you know, either seeing Mo hanging out or or doing it yourself or however you may come to the conclusion. Can you overcome that dog's breeding? You can go first, Cody. <laughs> Hold on. His signal uh, got funky, so ladies first. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I think to an extent, absolutely. Um, it obviously depends. It's obviously a lot easier to reel a dog in than it, than it is to push a dog out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like, well, I try to make a dog into something when there's a dog that's already bred for what you want. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, it's, I guess, you know, that goes into like mixing breeds and all that. Like there's, there's a lot of issues in like the continental breeds with breeding with pointers and it's, I, I get it to an extent, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, like if you want a pointer, like why don't you get a pointer? If you want a dog that runs like that, like, why don't you get that kind of dog? Right. So, I mean, I, I just, I feel like there is a dog, there is a breeding that makes sense for what you want. And it's just a matter of you making the right choice. But what if you got the wrong breeding? What if you said, I, what if I said, all right, I want a pointer. All right. And I'm new to this. I, and, and I didn't do this, but I'm new to this. I want a pointer. And I messed around and went to Harold Ray <laughs> and got a dog from him. And then I get this dog and I'm like, oh, shoot, I like him. I don't want to give him up. So am I just going to have that or or would I be shooting myself in the foot to, to get this dog to do what I want him to do? And we all know Harold Raisin, you know, all age guy or whatever the case may be. What are we doing? Well, I guess it depends what you're trying to turn it into be. Like, are you trying to make it into a foot hunting wild bird dog or are you trying to make it into a gun dog? I'm a foot hunter and I may, I want to foot hunt and I made an act. I made a mistake in getting the wrong type of dog and I don't want to give him back to the breeder. <laughs> well then um, I mean if, if it were me I would try to make it work okay um, I again I think it's easier to reel a dog in rather than push it out so you're at least set when it comes to that okay um, there's I feel like there's a lot of options <laughs> to reel the dog in <laughs> Um, I mean, I've literally seen Mo run dogs with bungees attached to them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. slowing them down. Um, but I think in that in that sort of case, it it wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Okay, Plody, what you got, buddy? Kind of the same thing, you know. I for me, if, if first I would say, do your research better. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but don't be afraid to do what's right for the dog. 
pressure on it to, to keep it in. Mm-hmm. Would it be better for the dog to find its ideal home where it could be, you know, running at its full potential if it's an all-age type dog? Mm-hmm. Why not try to find it the home for that and then start over? Yeah. Um, yeah, Darrell. Hey, look, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I don't have that problem, okay? My my thing is, I got a dog. Vegas will stretch out 220. I got 220 out of him the other day. And that is a max. And then he swung back around, and I found him on point at about 130 away. I'm all right with that. I'm actually just fine with that. <laughs> now... Again, considering that, again, this was something that I did like long before I got my dog. You see what I'm saying? Like I knew for a fact that the L. Hugh strain was something that I could work with, especially this being my first pointer. You know what I'm saying? Um, Now, now I want something with a little more giddy up. But as far as just the will to run, like Vegas is a thinking dog. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense. Right. Like, he's not, you know, he's not some just nutcase that's just going to hightail it through the woods. But if I were to breed him, I it, my thought, and y'all let me know about this. Hell, I send y'all all kinds of stuff about the dog. But my thought, if I did want to breed that dog, I would put more run in him than I, and, and I'm not so concerned about his bird manners and, 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 and you know, stuff like that. That would be my thought. I feel like everybody, and I'm, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat with you right now. Um, I feel like your first dog, no matter what, like you're going to learn way more from it than you're ever going to teach the dog. Right. So I feel like you being able to figure out what, what it is you really want in a dog, regardless of if, regardless of if your first dog is what you originally or you currently are looking for in a dog, I feel like you need that first dog to let you know what, what it is you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I've really figured out what it is I want in my next dog. Um, and I'm sure after that next dog, I'll be like, Hey, like, you know, I really want blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, different. So I feel like it's just kind of, I feel like you, no matter what, you don't get that perfect dog for you that first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just all about the, you know, the experience and, and learning from the dog. Right. Okay. Plody, what you got, buddy? Well, my first dog was a perfect dog because it was a Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ain't going to never let that go. <laughs> no, he was perfect, but... Yeah, I mean, every, every dog you get, you should learn something new from every time. Um, and your first one should hopefully be the biggest learning curve that you have. Mm-hmm. Make all your mistakes there. Um, you know, get the wrong breed like a pointer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I want you to go tell Dory that. How about that? You go. <laughs> he identifies as a Brittany, okay? <laughs> And you also have a Cocker Spaniel that identifies as a German short here. So <laughs> since you got all these jokes, okay. 
since you got all of these jokes, you you got a cocker that that looks and identifies with a mini German short hair. So take that, well, Chloe. He does. He does flush birds. <laughs> <laughs> At least everybody can agree we can totally make fun of short hair. <laughs> and and then roll with that. <laughs> Yo, I'm all right. What's gonna happen is I'm going to see a significant drop in my numbers of listeners. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I was like, ah, sh- <laughs> thank y'all. Okay, I'm gonna blame it on y'all. All right, I'm going to put it on y'all. So, this is my thing. All right, I want, I want to. I'm going to leave it totally open for y'all to critique what I, what it is that I do, because, again, I think it's three people that, you know, I talk to Plody and I talk to Lauren, you know, uh, pretty often. All right. And and just whether it be goofing off or whether it be about actual like training stuff. The interesting thing that I think we have going on in this dialogue is that there are two Mo Lindley folks, practitioners, steady with style, you know, whatever you want to call it. There are two practitioners of the method um, on this part on this podcast. Now, me, I'm like a mutt when it comes to training, but mostly, mostly Bud Moore. <laughs> so admittedly, like, yes, I know where I stand, but what <laughs> critique some methods, you critique mine if you want to as well, but what what are people missing when it comes to the Lindley method? Um, I'm going to let Plody go first on this one. Uh, the, the biggest thing that I see is too many people still want to talk. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not, take their, not take their time with the dog and let the dog, the dog and the bird should be figuring it out. And you should just be there to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. You really don't, you really don't need to get in their way too much mm-hmm. I, I know I've I tell you all the time to shut the hell up <laughs> I look I did better I, I got the shoe thing now so that's a little <laughs> that's a little better <laughs> but it'd be like bruh I can't watch the damn video cause you talking <laughs> oh man yo that yes that is my fatal flaw I will I will gladly admit that you know, it, it's, it is for a lot of people, and it, it took me a long time to shut up because I didn't start off training this method. Um, you know, I got into it eight, nine, maybe ten years ago when I got introduced to Dave Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, even you know, even to this day, I'll send Dave something, Jonesy something, and he'll tell me to shut the hell up. And I'll be like, I didn't say anything. He's like, I heard you whispering it. Shut up. <laughs> then it's going to be a damn it. Mo going to tell you to shut up and be like, I heard you thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you think that is the, out of all, out of that whole training with Mo book, out of that whole training, what you think that is the one key thing that people are missing?
from my point of view, it's the talking and, and just letting the dog figure it out. You know, they, they want to force it. You should just let it happen. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, Lauren, what you got, girly? I think the biggest thing is, and I'm super guilty of this as well, but Mo always says it takes as long as it takes. And putting a expectation on how long it's going to take is, I feel like, the biggest, one of the biggest parts of this method. And every dog takes you know, such a various amount of time to really understand. And um, I found myself doing it over and over and over again, um, just getting frustrated because I'm like, you know, when's he going to get it? And like, when's, you know, when's it going to click? And Mo's like, it, it, you know, it takes as long as it takes. Like, that's, that's all I can tell you. And I, I see it in people dropping off their dogs to Mo all the time. You know, they're like, oh, when will he be broke? Like, you know, and he's like, I don't know. Like, it's up to the dog. <laughs> like, yeah. So I feel like that and, um, again, the silent thing, uh, I hear, I hear so many woes and especially being around <laughs> being around Mo all the time, like he doesn't hear those things. So, you know, we'll be out in the field and, um, there'll be a, you know, a new client there, like on a Saturday when people bring their dogs in, um, just for the day and I'll hear it. And I'm like, no, they're saying, whoa, they're saying, whoa, they're yelling at their dog or whatever. Cause he misses all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think, I think that's such a big, a big part as well. And it's not even just the woes, it's just the overhandling, the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, okay, so overhandling is a big thing that I will say, um, I see a lot of people, I just kind of watch video, obviously I watch videos and stuff like that, and you know, everybody's uh, 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 doing some kind of dog training and this and that on Instagram and, you know, with the whole downtime and I see a ton of people woeing a dog into a point. And when I tell you, like, um, I mean, when I tell you, like, and it's not for anything for me to say, but it's just kind of observation, like, stop woeing a dog into a point. Like, <laughs> like if that dog is going to your point, Lauren, if that dog is going to find his point, I mean, if the genetic drive is there and, and, and I'm all for pigeon polling, if the dog will sit there and point a feather or pigeon on a pole and you let him go and he is knocking birds. My thing is, especially for these springtime puppies, let them knock the birds. Absolutely. Just let them do it. I mean, at some point, and I think this is a part of either the dog getting frustrated and intelligent, you call it whatever you want to. He should figure it out <laughs> that I cannot catch this bird. Like, and you know, um, and, and, and West Mountain Kennel just actually joined this very in Kim Sampson. I think it just made me think about something. The folks out West have it a little bit better than us. A little bit. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> they 
out. Hey, you know, because I mean, if I if I was running dogs on wild birds out there, um, you know, I would I I don't see those guys wooing nobody's dogs into no point. Like, <laughs> like absolutely. It, it just it just kind of happens for them. And, you know, it, it and, and their dogs look beautiful. But I think out here on the on the on the East Coast, it seems to me as if sometimes that folks get so shook or nervous about a lack of birds that, you know, in, in the springtime is here. You want to get that dog ready by what, September, October, November, something like that, that you start trying to trying to pull strings, you know, what I'm saying one way or the other and making the dog do it when just, bro, just let it let it happen. <laughs> just just chill out. You know, I, I mean, I agree. And. And to your point, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not a pro, I'm not a trainer, anything like that, but I don't think you can make a bird dog out of pen raised birds. Nope. And I won't ever agree with anybody on that. I agree. Um, I see it all the, I see it all the time, like in, you know, I'm around a lot of hunt test people, that kind of stuff. And, you know, that they work their dog on, on pen raised birds twice a month and somehow finish their dog and that's not because, a finished they're, because dog. they've gotten like the obedience side of it and they're again they're like woeing their dogs into points stuff like that mm-hmm. and it it's just it's i feel like it's a completely completely different mindset um than you know out west where they have lots of wild birds that can actually make bird dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Plody, what you got, buddy? Uh, I agree with uh, that statement, Lauren. Um, and I, I think, to your point, Darrell, a lot of people, what I see, a lot of people get so anxious and they want to yell, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a lot of guys that hunt on preserves and they're paying for their birds. Mm-hmm. And they want to make sure they're getting their money's worth. So they're going to put unneeded pressure on that dog so that they're not wasting money when they, you know, some of those guys may only hunt three weekends a year. Right. And if they're going to, you know, lay down up to a thousand dollars for a weekend hunt, you know, they want every bird that they can shoot. And granted, most of those guys can't even hit any birds. But <laughs> When I started guiding this past season and just hearing what people were paying <laughs> for that stuff, I was like, bro, I could have got 10 boxes of quail for all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, okay. And by the time I get through them 10 boxes, if I'm just going to use pen raised birds, I would, I would think that I would have a better looking dog by that time than paying all of this money for a preserve hunt that I'm only going to be able to go on one time. And that's just my thing. I, I think that I'm sure that there are people that listen that are probably going to object to that. And for whatever odd reason, keeping and facilitating, you know, a bunch of pin raised birds is just not the move. Right. But, you know, I, 
I just get concerned, you know, to Lauren's point about making them what I call it a mechanical dog, you know. Um, well, you, you see that at every hunt master or NAVDA event you go to or whatever. There's always those dogs that just look like robots. They don't have any spark in their eye. Mm-hmm. Going through the motions. They don't do it because they have a desire to do it. They do it because they were forced to do it. Right. Right. So, and I think obviously that's a big part of of why a lot of people choose West Gibbons. Obviously, just yeah, it really it really does, and I mean it really really does preserve the style, and um, especially with my dog, I've seen litter mates that are just I mean they're fine they they look fine. They don't look like they're being tortured or anything, but at the same time, like you look at my dog on a wild bird and you look at their dog on a, you know, on a wild bird and it's such a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. And I'm not saying my dog's like the most stylish <laughs> thing in the whole world. I'm just, I'm just saying like, you can really, you can see the difference and, and the desire is, has really been preserved. Yeah. So this is my question. Yeah. Let this this is this is my question and this is totally shallow like surface level but I do want the real of it um Plody, you train a lot of continental breeds um and Lauren you've got two Vigilas. do you buy those dogs for style I mean you don't I don't I don't see that being a, a stylish dog effective like Lauren your dog is good I'm not about to sit here and like played like that but do you do we really buy those dogs for style like we buy i will say i buy it bought a dang pointer because shit it looks good <laughs> most puppies look good <laughs> so I, I, think, I, do. I think style is objective okay absolutely it's all in the eye of the beholder like you like pointers subjective, subjective. Yeah. I like real bird dogs, Brittany's. <laughs> but I, having worked as many different breeds as I have, I can appreciate each individual breed's type of style. They all have their own type of style. Mm-hmm. And they all, an intense bird dog on point is stylish to me, no matter the breed. No matter where its tail is, no matter how long the tail is or how long the coat is, it if it's intense and it loves its job, it's going to be stylish to me. Touche. Touche. Blair uh, Matthew say he got your back. So, you know. Blair. Blair get your ass up to Illinois. I got kennels that need food <laughs> Blair, you've been called out. Um, <laughs> um, okay. 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 I um, I think I will agree it's, it's subjective. Um you know, some of that comes from, I think for me, it comes from the folks that I'm learning from. You got to think I'm 100% biased about pointers and, and right. Great. You know, admittedly very, very biased about it. Pointers and setters, but think about where I'm going to, to look at them. Do you know what I'm saying? All I've, not all I know. I mean, by now I've seen a lot of dogs, but 
what caught me was the same thing that that a kid does when he sees like Michael Jordan in a in a in a magazine or or playing ball. You know what I'm saying? Like if that's all you see, you know what I'm saying? That's like, dang, that's what you know. That's kind of what I want. And, and the guys down in South Georgia, like that's 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 pretty much what I found out up until you know way later on down the line. So Lauren, what is your thoughts on it? I mean, again. Like, you know, you know where I, where I train and what I'm around. Um, and obviously it's pretty much all pointers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I hunt pretty much exclusively with, um, Ed Jessen and, and one of most pointers. Um, so, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I can, I can really appreciate, you know, a, a pointer style, but at the same time, I feel like you like what you like and it is, it's super objective. It's not, it's not objective. It's subjective. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got you. Got me again. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I feel like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is a dang point, man. <laughs> Period. Period. You know, and and the, I don't know. I just I'm not a huge. Like, I'm not a, I have a white dog. <laughs> a white? What's wrong with a white dog? I mean, nothing's wrong with a white dog. I like them. I like them enough. But. I, you know, I would like to find my dog in the woods. You know. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I would love to be able to actually find my dog. So. You know, I mean, Plody wants to call horse shit on it, but you know. Uh, I I am not running with you know the freaking seven dwarfs over here. So you know at the end of the day, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I got orange and white on my dog. Ooh, you got orange and Ooh. white. <laughs> well, I have a Garmin on my dog, so there you go. My dog, no problem. There you go. Let's go ahead and throw. <laughs> let's go ahead and name drop. Uh, <laughs> product drop. <laughs> Wasn't trying to do that. I'm just saying. I have no problem finding him when, when you got a, a GPS on him. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. So this is um, this is another thing that we were that I've always been kind of big on. Now, <laughs> I am not a I'm not a force fetch fan, and I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, I got a lab. I feel like I bought a lab. Hilda, the second part of your name is Retriever. I feel like I shouldn't have to make you retrieve. Now, that's probably very ignorant. And, and it, I think it also depends on what your what it, what your goal to force fetch is. Um, but then a lot of the times I'll, you know, I've got my dog now and like Vegas naturally retrieves. I've never worked with him once or, you know, and. I've shot birds over and broke and I tap him on the head and tell him to go retrieve and he'll bring it back to hand. But that dog has never been force force fetched, which sometimes I feel like reinforces my dislike of <laughs> force fetching. So are people resorting to force fetching because based on what y'all have seen, because of what other folks are telling you or, or is it something that's like, oh, okay, I feel like this is another component and I want to work towards it. Cause a lot of the times I hear somebody be like, Oh, did you force fetch that dog? And I'm like, bro, no, 
<laughs> no, I have not. What you got? Uh, let's go Plody first. Well, a, a lot of the dogs that I force fetch are competition dogs. They're NAVDA dogs or hunt test dogs or, or even, you know, Nastra dogs or, or field trial dogs that have retrieving stakes. Mm-hmm. Ninety-nine percent of them aren't natural retrievers, but for an event like that, you need that extra level of control that you're with force fetch. You're going to get that obedience because you know a natural retriever that loves his job. There's going to be a time where you put him in a situation where he's going to be like, "Nah, nah I don't want to do." Okay. This situation is not right for me, or you know, there's something I don't like. With that force fetch, you can get him through that. Uh, and continue on with whatever the task may be. And especially in NAVDA, you're going to need that control because there's a couple different parts to that test where they absolutely have to go pick it up and bring it back to hand. And, you know, especially like the duck search, you know, if he's natural and he just goes out and kind of pulls around and and decides, "Eh, I don't want to bring it back, how are you going to get him to bring it back if he's not conditioned Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Lauren, what you got, girly? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm super new to the force fetch thing. Um, I made the, the big mistake of not really following through with the retrieve. Um, I kind of just put it on the back burner and was like, oh, like, you know, I'll work on it later, work on it later. And while he has a natural retrieve, um, especially with wild birds, I have no problem. Um, but like Plody said, you know, with competition dogs, which I'm hoping to, you know, continue on with that, um, I really need a reliable retrieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can't be like, Oh, that's in a huge prior pile, and I don't really feel like it. it it's got to be, I have to 100% know that he's going to retrieve. And um, I guess I feel like there's, you would think there would be a disconnect between um, a method like Wes Gibbons and force fetching because it is, I feel like, such a, it is a balanced training method, but it is super positive. Um, I didn't really feel like they went hand in hand until I saw Mo force fetch a dog. Ooh. Um, okay. Yeah. So I guess, you know, it really just depends on the dog. I've seen dogs fly through it. No problem. Low pressure. Um, and then I've seen dogs that he's had to you know, change things up a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. not go exactly by the book. Um, and that's what he does a really, really good job of doing is looking at each individual dog and not being, you know, not being so wrapped up in, well, that's not how the method is. So, um, you know, for instance, with Banks, he's very collar sensitive. So with a force fetch, we're probably going to do a lot more toe hitch. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to e-collar. Um, so, I mean, I feel like it's necessary in situations. Uh, if I was just exclusively going to 
wild bird hunt. Um, I feel like I'm okay with him dropping it, you know, mm-hmm. a foot away from me. Yeah. Uh, but when you need that really reliable retrieve, I feel like there are methods of force fetch that aren't as bad as others. Okay. Okay. All right. Y'all sound like some, uh, Dog training gurus on here. Plota, you got anything to follow before we... I got a couple of questions and then we, we're done, but you got anything to follow up on that? No, no. I, I think she covered it really well that um, yeah, at Force Fetch especially, you kind of have to take it dog by dog and just don't be afraid to to do something differently if that's what the dog is asking for. Yep. You gotta, you gotta listen to the dog. Yep. Okay. Alright, so... This is my, oh, wait, no, real quick, Lauren, talk about that new box that, that, that Mo has, man, that, that talk, what's going on with that? There's some crazy, crazy, uh, banter on that post that he did yet last night. I was like, whoa, like, where did this come from? Um, so one of my good friends, Stefan Nadzam, um, he is a police dog protection dog trainer. He does a lot of detection and bite work. Um, kind of things. Uh, long story short, him and Mo became good friends, and um, I think we were all just kind of bored. And you know, Stefan was was talking with Mo about different ways that he teaches hold and um, like a force fetch. Uh, and so Stefan made him a new table. It's um, it's like a three sided. So it's almost a box, mm-hmm. um, and then it has a pole or like a bar above the dog's head with a chain coming down, um, and then that back piece can slide out, so right. it can be open on both ends. Right. Um, so Stefan was just messing around with the puppies, um, just kind of doing some socialization, um, like shaping on different on different sort of um, surfaces. Just getting them able to be, or like desensitized to like handling, mm-hmm. really. Um, but Mo's going to use it to force fetch um, some dogs, and I think we're actually going to going to mess around with Banks tomorrow um, with that. But it it just gives the dog a lot less. room I guess as opposed to like the table Mm -hmm. um and you know it'll be good for some dogs it'll be not good for others um but I think he's just kind of excited to to have something new to play around on um see how see how it works okay okay yeah man I I was looking at some of those comments and Plo did you see what Mo had posted on there yeah I got kind of I know, right? It got a little wild. A lot of people thought it was a cattle shoot, I guess. Huh. Kind of. I mean, it's really small. I don't don't know, but... I didn't get those vibes. Uh, Well, yeah, not on all of them. I, you know, I've I've seen some interesting stuff, and, you know, my whole little barrel thing, I, I, I had a buddy of mine be like, man, are you about to hang the dog? But, like, no... <laughs> didn't get those vibes so 
Whatever, man. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. All right. So this is um, this is something that I, I think both of you guys see a good amount of. But, you know, and Plody, you you've got a mini German short hair yourself. So, you know, uh, do you think <laughs> do you think that having a flusher around pointing dogs, do you think that actually makes the pointing dog steady quicker. Do you think that has anything to do with that relationship? Because I do it. Uh, you know, I haven't really fooled around with it too much other than, you know, my two oldest dogs. And they're they're broke to wing shot and kill. Anyway. Anyway, so it's just more about getting him to understand that dogs on point means there's a bird to flush that tells him to. You know, I, I can see where it's kind of unnerved my pointer a little bit, where she's like, we got to get in there and get that bird before this little devil comes in and busts it up. Mm-hmm. My Brittany, my oldest Brittany, is more like, yeah, you know, whatever, let him take it out. Yeah, um, but that's just their personality. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know. I'm going to play around with him a lot this summer. Yeah. Um, you know, have him come into situations when I'm breaking client dogs um, and see if I can, you know, get them to make a mistake so I can get a good grade too. Okay. When they're along in the process. Lauren, what you think, Early? Personally, um, with my dog, it absolutely would do the opposite. Really? <laughs> um, I feel like he's just not to the point where... Um, that would be beneficial in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think certain dogs, I feel like it, it might. Um, uh, one of my friends, Kevin Jackson out in Montana, um, he runs a cocker with um, his setters. And I think it, it gives them that... Um, It makes them. It makes them remember their manners real quick. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they they get that they get that uh, tune up real fast. Right. When, when the cocker comes out, um, but I feel like it could it could really go either way. I mean, it could loosen a dog or it could really tighten a dog. Okay. Okay. Um, and the one I experience that I've had with it, it actually. And, I, and, and maybe I can attribute it to Vegas was never allowed to do any kind of retrieving anyway. So that also may have something to do with it. But what I have noticed, a couple of things. Number one, I would send Ruger in and he would let Ruger flush. But that dang pinch collar holding him in place while I let Ruger go in and flush, that got him into shape real quick. And then... And that was just me. I mean, I just had it on him anyway. Um, when I start putting, you know, switching everything over to that flank collar, and I would kind of just bump him, you know, while Ruger was going in and just real light, that got his mind in the game. And I've never had a problem. And then what really sold me on the idea was Ruger messed in, messed around, and Vegas was on point. I mean, holding it rock solid. Ruger ended up going and I think his like he kind of 
got in the way and kind of bumped him a little bit just in the process of shuffling around. Dog didn't take a step. I mean, you would have thought that dog was stone. And that was very, very, very interesting to me. I was like, okay. Um, I just think it, 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 you know, however you want to play it, but I'd always thought about that. Like, all right, I never let Vegas do it. And by the time we started really, really hunting, you know, his first hunt, no, I'm sorry, his second hunt on wild birds, I had Ruger in there because it was too hot and the grass was thick down in Thomasville. <laughs> I didn't want to lose birds and I damn sure didn't want to get on my hands and knees and be crawling around, you know, in Thomasville. Um, so, you know, that was kind of one of the things that really kind of sold me on the idea was like, all right, they're learning to work together. And it might just be a thing where they just live together and they know each other. They know the job. There's a lot of variables to it, but I was wondering like, okay, you know, does that have any kind of serious effect on what the dog is doing? You know, who knows? Um, what I do think though, Plody, I was, I was before we got lost, man, um, I was, I'm wrapping it up, but what I was saying is I've always wondered if having Vegas and Ruger working together from jump, you know, how that variable played into it. And also um, some of that may have had to do with the fact that they just live together. So they, they know the drill. Now, what I also do is I, I, I'll sit Ruger and take my flushing whip and I won't let him go in and flush. You see what I'm saying? So that way, neither dog knows what in the world is going to happen. Um, so, you know, just working that, you know, working along those parameters, I think that is going to be my goal this summer. I actually need to be doing more retriever work and getting Ruger at heel a little bit tighter. Like he's he's all right, but he'll hang out about two or three feet in front of me. He could be tighter, um, you know, if we're just being politically correct. So with all that, guys, um, first and foremost, happy anniversary, Miss Lauren. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> happy anniversary. I didn't I didn't even know until my uh, my mom texted me this morning. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> so <laughs> glad, glad she was there for that. There you go. She 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 picked it up for you. And then uh you know, Plody kicking it old school gun dog notebook in the truck. <laughs> I, to, I put, uh, put Disney Plus on for the kids and ran out here so I could have a couple cigarettes and hang out with you guys. And, and make it happen. <laughs> Look, yeah. I, I appreciate it, man. Um, you know, I this is just something kind of light that I wanted to do and, and, and get you guys. I'm mad that we didn't have like the actual video to video um thing but next time i'll have to figure i think it's facebook that allows you to do the three things um it's probably facebook but um instagram more people seem to be on there and i also don't have to worry about political debates <laughs> in the in the True. in the process of finding out all of this stuff so <laughs> anyway guys um you know before we wrap up did y'all want to leave with anything you know what we got Run your dogs, not your mouth. That's what I'll. Yes. There you go. There you go. Lauren, what you you got to top that now? 
That's actually what I was going to say. He stole it. <laughs> Have, run your dogs, not your mouth. All right, so that is going to be... We're going to make that the, the, the clever little title of this episode. Run your dogs, not your mouth. Yes. Love it. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Well, that is it for the Gundog Notebook Live. Um, Lauren, I'm looking forward to having you on an episode and then bringing Plody back around again when he ain't got a whole kennel full of dogs. Um, I don't know. I feel like I need Plody's backup. I, look, I'm game to do it however y'all <laughs> want to now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tag either way. I'm going to stand strong for the pointer gang regardless. <laughs> so I'm, I'm attacking if... I don't care short tails, long tails. If it ain't a pointer or a setter, I'm coming for you. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, just just know how about, that. How about we run our dogs, not our mouth drill? No, I'm going to do both, okay? I'm going to do both, all right? Okay. And, Plody, you going to mess around and run your mouth and have me and be paying me $50 for doing a field trial in my good old Westminster shorts and uh, my, my, my tall boots. Plody has a thing. I totally almost called you out. On the post yesterday, I saw it. I was like, the short, the shorts and uh, and boots. Why y'all gotta take me out like that, though, man? It'll be it'll be worth the money to see pictures of it. Oh, <laughs> some, some sweaty horse with his shorts. <laughs> oh man, I hate all of y'all. I want y'all to know that. Okay, I, I hate all of y'all. All right. Good. <laughs> Because, Plody, see, you got snow and all that foolishness up there. It is very hot here. You see it snowing right now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is hot. So, I'm going to keep wearing my shorts, and I would like to not get tore up by briars and stuff. So, <laughs> you know. But, y'all, that's fine. You know, that's fine. You know, we got old White Claw over here. So, you know. Hey, now. Hey, now. There ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well we gonna wrap it up on that <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note <laughs> um guys that's another episode of gun dog notebook live <laughs> thank y'all for tuning in these are my friends <laughs> all right <laughs> bye all right guys that's the end of the episode, and I just want to say thank you to my sponsors, OnX Hunt and Yukonuba Sporting Dog, my affiliates, Lion Country Supply and Garmin, Fish and Hunt. Um, guys, make sure you check out that new uh, cover of Project Upland Magazine. It's got me and a nice little setter on the front of it. It's coming out soon. See you guys next week.